We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll be studying the first 11 verses and being looking at the demonstration of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit. As you turn to 1 Corinthians 12, also put a finger in Zechariah chapter 4, Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 4. You're like, where in the world is Zechariah? If you find the book of Matthew, go a little bit to the left, you should find the book of Zechariah. So let's pray together. Father, we celebrate you in our lives this morning. Thank you for what you've done through VBS. And as we study your word this morning and look at the person of the Holy Spirit, Father, would you help us to understand who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in our lives? It's a desperate time. It's a confusing time. We need the empowering and the filling of the Holy Spirit. So would you bless our time in your word? In Jesus' name, amen. The Holy Spirit is largely misunderstood but desperately needed in our lives. If we think about who Jesus is, there is an openness in our hearts and our lives to who Christ is. But when we study the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, oftentimes we can find ourselves being apprehensive. As we do live in a very difficult time, so much going on, I believe that it's God's heart to pour out the Holy Spirit into our lives. Throughout scripture and throughout church history, in dark times, God moves through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I believe this message is very fitting for us this Sunday in July 2020 to learn and be open to how the Spirit of God would work in our lives. God declares to Zerubbabel specifically that it's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I want to look at the first few verses of Zechariah 4 to set the stage for the need of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So this is Zechariah 4, verse 1. It says, Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? So he said, I am looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and on the stand seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? So Zechariah the prophet has this vision from God. In this vision, you've got two olive trees. And these olive trees are feeding into one big bowl. From the big bowl, there's seven pipes that are going to the lampstand, a candelabra that's got seven spokes on it, seven candles coming off of it. Zachariah is wondering, what in the world does this mean? What does this vision mean? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. The honesty of Zechariah, I don't know what this is. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This is specifically, this message is for one man, Zerubbabel. Who is Zerubbabel? The children of Israel had been in captivity, had been able to come back to the promised land, but had to rebuild the temple. Zerubbabel builds the foundation, but the work of God comes to a halt. The work of God comes to a standstill. The work of God goes on quarantine. Zerubbabel gets discouraged. 
Have you been wrestling with discouragement in this season? So God wants to encourage Zerubbabel and says, it's not by power, it's not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This vision of the olive trees, the olives would produce oil, the oil goes into the bowl, the bowl then powers the lampstands, these candles, it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. This continual flow of the Holy Spirit in the life of Zerubbabel to provide the power that's necessary for this difficulty that he is facing. We need to understand that God's move in our lives, what we're desperately desiring for God to do in our lives, in our church and in our community, it's not going to come by our power. It's not going to come by our might, but it's going to come by the Spirit of God. It's not going to come through our hard work, our devotional life, our strategies. We don't have the strength and we don't have the power. Maybe one of the redemptive things that's happening right now is we're understanding our weakness that's been there all along. That weakness has been there even prior to COVID, but COVID is causing us to see how much that we need the Lord. Or a whole entire different difficulty in your life is revealing how much you need the Lord. It's not going to be by power. It's not going to be by might. But it's going to be by the Spirit of God. I love verse 7. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Zerubbabel is facing this huge mountain, this, this huge difficulty that's overwhelming him. And God says, what is this mountain? This mountain's going to be made plain. This mountain is going to become the flatlands of Kansas. Everyone is going to see this work of God that happens, and they're going to shout, grace, grace. May God fill us with his spirit to the point where the mountains in our lives are made plain, and people can see the reality of the power of the spirit in our lives, and they begin to shout grace. The work of the Spirit in our lives is based on grace, based on the kindness of God and the goodness of God and and the love of God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Zerubbabel is probably thinking about cashing in the chips, throwing in the towel, He's encouraged, your hands started this work, your hands are also gonna finish it. Then you're gonna know that the Lord of hosts gave this message, gave this vision. That may be a word of the Lord for some this morning where you're going, I am endeavored in a work that I know that God has called me to, yet I'm discouraged and God wants to encourage you and empower you with the spirit and say, your hands started it, your hands are also going to finish it. Verse 10, for who has despised the day of small things? Can we all raise our hand? I think we've all despised the day of small things. How was this temple built? A lot of days of small things. A lot of days of, of working hard. Some days where they feel like they're losing ground instead of gaining ground. In this endeavor that we're in, in the work that God has called us to, don't look down Don't despise the day of small things. God works there in that place. For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. So this plumb line going to the candlestick represents God looking for those who will trust 
in the Lord. It's my desire and it's my prayer as we spend some time looking at the work and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that there would be that intellectual understanding, but even more so, there would be an openness to the work of the Spirit in our lives. That we would understand like Zerubbabel, it's not by power or might, but by God's Spirit. So let's look at verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You may notice if you're reading from the New King James Version that the word gifts is in italics. That means it's added by the Bible translators, usually trying to make more sense of the text. The literal text reads, now concerning spiritual, brethren, I want you to not be ignorant. I believe in these 11 verses, it's my view of this section of scripture, that Paul is spending most of his time talking about the manifestation of the Spirit instead of the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are listed out for us in Romans chapter 12, but here we see the manifestation of the Spirit. And you're saying, what's the difference? The gifts of the Spirit is something that God gives to us that we operate in that gift, like the gift of mercy and the gift of exhortation. But the manifestation of the Spirit, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, is something that the Holy Spirit could do in any believer's life at any particular time to reach unbelievers and encourage the body. So you might have the gift of teaching, but God may want to use you with a word of wisdom. You may have the gift of mercy, but the Holy Spirit is leading you to speak out in a word of knowledge. You may have the gift of exhortation, but God is wanting you to pray for someone because he desires to to heal them. So the fact that the word gifts here is not in the original text, I think points to what we're going to see, the manifestations of the Spirit. The exhortation here is that God doesn't want us to be ignorant of spiritual things, ignorant of the work of the Spirit in our lives. There's a few places in Scripture where God says, don't be ignorant. In Romans 11.25, he says, don't be ignorant of God's future plan for Israel. A lot of believers, unfortunately, think that God's done with the nation of Israel. And God says, don't be ignorant of my future plan for Israel. In 1 Thessalonians 4, God says, don't be ignorant of the rapture of the church, the second coming of Christ. We see here, don't be ignorant of the work of the Holy Spirit. When we focus on the Holy Spirit, why is it that we get apprehensive? I think one reason is that we have seen abuses of the Holy Spirit. People will claim that it's a work of the Holy Spirit, but in fact, it's a a work of the flesh. So we go, I don't want anything to do with that weirdness, right? It's easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater, if you would. Sometimes it's a lack of knowledge. There's not a lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit, and we may just not know or be familiar with with the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, I think for us to really experience the power of the Holy Spirit, it means that the Holy Spirit has to be in control of our lives. We don't want to give up control. We want to hold on to control, and that can be a reason why that we tend to be apprehensive about the Holy Spirit. Jesus looked at the disciples right before he was crucified and he says, it's good for me to go away. It's actually to your advantage because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's your helper, the Holy Spirit's your teacher, and your comforter. Who doesn't want a helper, a teacher, and a comforter? 
There's nothing about the Holy Spirit that should cause us to be apprehensive. We should be open to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In verse 2, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Before you knew Christ as your Savior, you were led into idolatry. Paul says idolatry is dumb. Why? Because you become like what you worship. If you're worshiping something that can't speak, that can't think, that can't hear, you're going to become like that idol that you, you worship. Verse, thir- verse 3, Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The church of Corinth was worried that if they spoke through the power of the Holy Spirit, that somehow that they would curse Christ. That was one of the things that was causing them to be apprehensive about the work of the Spirit. And Paul clears that up and says, no one speaking under the influence of the Spirit is going to call Jesus accursed. Jesus told us that the role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify him, to glorify Jesus. How do you know that there's a, a work or move of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is going to be glorified? that the body is going to be built up. Also, there's the work of the Holy Spirit to cause us to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. If you know Christ as your Savior, you can probably look back in that process where God was bringing you unto himself, there was that work of the Holy Spirit. Anytime someone acknowledges their sin, repents from sin, and trusts that grace, that free gift that Jesus did upon the cross, his death and resurrection, it's a work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And the Holy Spirit's good at it. The Holy Spirit's good at pursuing us and getting us to that place of surrendering to Christ. Verse four, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse four, five, and six, we're gonna see diversity of gifts, diversity of ministries, and diversity of activities. So there's a diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. And here, this is where Paul briefly addresses the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're different. We don't all have the same gift. It's like a body. Our body has many members, but we're united in Christ. We're united through the Spirit of God. This word gifts, it comes from the Greek word charisma, which comes from the root charis or grace. These spiritual gifts that God gives to us is an expression of God's grace. When we're saved, we also receive spiritual gifts. And Ephesians chapter 4 talks about Christ and his burial and resurrection, that when he rose, he gave gifts to the church. That's amazing. A gift of grace, a spiritual gift that God has given us to be used for his glory. I want to read to you Romans chapter 12 because it describes these gifts to us. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. The gifts are to be used. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So this list of spiritual gifts, prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. Do you believe that God has given you a spiritual gift? 
What Ephesians 4 is all believers have received a spiritual gift. Oh, God left me out. I didn't receive a, a spiritual gift. Remember, it's a gift of grace. We didn't earn it or deserve it. It's because of, of who Jesus is. Are you using your spiritual gift to build up believers, but also to reach unbelievers? The gifts that God has given to us are not just used inside of the church relationship with believers, but also in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, with our families, our friends, those spiritual gifts come out. You might be saying, I don't know. I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I do believe that I've received a spiritual gift, but I don't know what it is. Start to pray about it. Study Romans chapter 12 in more detail. Ask that the Lord would make it known to you what your spiritual gift is. Also evaluate how do you respond to a situation, especially a need or a tragedy or catastrophe. It's great having the kids in with us here in the sanctuary. Parents feel no pressure to try to keep your kids quiet, those type of things. You know, kids, I feel for you having to sit through these long sermons. But let's say we've got a kid sitting in the front row this morning that goes out and gets a cup of water. And they're coming back down the main aisle and they're walking and all of a sudden they trip. And the water spilled in the sanctuary. But even more so, they they hit their teeth, right? And their mouth starts to bleed. How are you going to respond to that that just, just happened? Those of you with the gift of mercy, I can already see it on your face. You're like, oh that poor kid. I just feel for him. I'm going to go give him a hug. I'm going to tell him about something similar that happened in my life. Those of you that might have the gift of teaching, you're going, I know the mistake that you made. (laughs) If you would have held the cup this way and walked this way, that wouldn't have happened. And I'm going to lovingly explain that to you. Those of you that have the gift of giving, you might run out and go get two cups of water. You're going to meet that need, and you're just going to give liberally with with that, right? Some of you, with the gift of leadership, you're looking around at how the church is responding, and you're going, man, the church really isn't having a good response to this this poor kid. I'm going to help lead the masses. I'm going to help try to bring clarity to, to the masses. If you have the gift of exhortation, you might say something like, what were you thinking? Right? You really need to have your mind aware of what's going on here. And exhorters are going to challenge. And that, that's what exhorters do through, through the Holy Spirit. So read what we just went through in Romans chapter 12 and start to see how you respond to particular situations. Ask people that are close to you. Go, here's a list of these spiritual gifts. How do I tend to respond to situations and they might go, well, lovingly, you do not have the gift of mercy. I'm just going to tell you right now. You, you, you do, that's not your gift. But you do have this, this gift that, that was given. Also, as you serve, you will start to find what your spiritual gift is. Ministering, the word ministering means serving. And you might find that you love meeting practical needs, but teaching's not your thing. How do you find that out? By entering in to serving. So as we begin to meet needs, whether it's in the church or in our workplace or in our neighborhoods, that helps us identify what our gift is. You start to find, yeah, this is my lane. God used that, and that was life-giving to others, but it was also life-giving to me. 
I want to read this article that I found, this news article uh, to you by a man named Archibald MacArthur and how he gave away his, his inheritance. We have the rather odd story of Archibald MacArthur, a man who deserves an article of his own. But to sum up his life story for now, as a young man, he moved to Dodgeville, Wisconsin, arriving with almost literally nothing but the clothes on his back and a degree from Lawrence College. On his first day in town, he worked sawing logs in exchange for a bed to sleep and a hot meal. He subsequently spent the next couple decades making a fortune, living lavishly, and then for reasons known only to him, very suddenly liquidated all of his assets, became a vegetarian, grew a beard, and took a vow of poverty. He lived in a shack from then on and mostly just hung out in a nearby cemetery reading philosophy books and poetry. According to a January 31st, 1926 article from the Milwaukee Journal, he told people who asked that he preferred hanging out with the dead more than the living. After a few decades living like this at age 78, he seems to have felt the call all elderly feel at some point and decided to move to Florida. (laughs) He thus bought a car, drove to Florida, sold the car, and died a few days later. He left the bulk of his estate, $300,000, about $4 million today, to a young clerk by the name of George Rafferty he once met on a park bench in Jacksonville. Oh, to be George Rafferty, right? You met this random guy at the park and he ends up leaving you this big sum of money. I'm sure George Rafferty appreciated that gift. How much more so for us, we have a personal gift from our Heavenly Father, a gift of grace that's wrapped up in Jesus, our spiritual gift. He's given us that gift to be used. He's given that so that we can bless others, but also our tank can be filled as well. So use that gift to the the glory of God. We go on, verse 5, it says, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. So first we saw gifts, but now we see ministries. Most likely this is pointing to offices that God has placed in the church. Ephesians chapter 4 gives us these lists of ministries. It says, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. These five-fold ministries that are given to equip the body. And that's a message in and of itself. But write a note, Ephesians chapter 4. Then we get to where the bulk of This message is focused in verse 6, and there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. The word activities has the idea in the Greek of energy. It's where we get the the word energy. It's the power of, of the Holy Spirit. So the diversity of activities is these manifestations of how the Holy Spirit will lead and guide in our lives. Verse 7, or continuing with verse 6, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The word manifestation means revealing or to make known. So the Holy Spirit's going to move in order to reveal himself, in order to reveal who Jesus is for the profit of all. When the Holy Spirit moves, it's not weird, it's not confusing. Jesus is glorified, the body is built up, and there's clarity to those who don't know Christ as their Savior. 
What's so wonderful about the book of Acts is you have a group of people that are in love with Jesus and open to the move of the Spirit, open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit. They were led by the Spirit. God was directing them and they took those steps of faith and God moved in a supernatural way. Don't you think we need God to move in a supernatural way today? We don't have the answers. We need the manifestation of the Spirit. We need the empowering and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So these are ways that the Holy Spirit works. These are ways that the Holy Spirit manifests himself. And I believe this is open to every believer as the Spirit moves in our lives. So it's not up to me to say, okay, I'm going to operate in a word of wisdom. That would be the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's how the Spirit chooses. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. The Spirit of God giving the word of wisdom. In John chapter 8, Jesus operated in a word of wisdom. A woman's caught in adultery. They're wanting to stone her. And Jesus says, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. That's a word of wisdom. That's knowledge applied. In Acts 15, there's Gentiles that get saved and the church is trying to figure out what are the requirements that they put on the Gentiles and do the Gentile men need to be circumcised and there's all this discussion that's happening between the leaders, the elders, and James gets up and he has a word of wisdom and says, no, the Gentiles don't need to be circumcised. And there was great rejoicing among the Gentile men at that point, right? We were having a board of elders uh, meeting around March of 2019. We, we meet monthly. We'll, we'll meet for prayer one month, and then the next month we'll have more of a, a business logistics meeting. And we were having one of our board of elders meetings. And looking back, I think one of our board members really had a word of wisdom from the Lord. And we were talking about the church, as we often do, and he mentioned, you know, I think we need to focus on our live stream. Uh, the quality of our live stream could, could be better and our consistency, and sometimes uh, it doesn't work. I think we need to put effort into that. I think we need to put effort into our online giving. Our online giving platform is, is clunky, and if someone's card expires and they've got to cancel that account and go in and put another account, I think we'd be serving the body better if we had the online giving to work more uh, properly. And we should step into the space of sh- social media. You know, whether we like it or not, that's where people are at. And we should begin to really try to get out God's message in uh, social media. That was March of 2019. You know what happened March 2020. How much have we needed online? Online became the only way that we were able to have service and is still the primary way that we're able to minister to the body. How has giving happened at RMC over these last few months, primarily online? How frustrating would it have been to go on and not have a platform that worked properly? Social media went from uh, maybe a secondary source of communication to a primary source of communication. It was a word of wisdom from the Lord, but we didn't even realize it. And that's what's so cool about the work of the Spirit is it happens in a very natural, organic way. It's not like, "Mm, uh, I have a word of wisdom from the Holy Spirit. All of you need to listen. If you do that, you're a whack job. No one's going to listen to you, right? (laughs) You're just speaking very naturally about what the Lord has placed upon your heart. 
But I'm so glad that that elder in our church spoke what was on his heart that day. And he may have thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this. Maybe this isn't right. But he spoke that word of wisdom, and it was exactly what we needed to hear at that time. Another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. In John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well and says, why don't you go get your husband for this conversation? She says, I have no husband. Jesus says, you've answered well. You have five husbands, and the guy you're with is not your husband. How did Jesus know that? He was operating in a word of knowledge. Ananias and Sapphira, they come into the church in Acts chapter 5, and they go, we sold our property, and we're giving all the money to the work of God. But they were keeping some money for themselves, which was fine. The problem was they were lying about it, trying to make themselves out to be more spiritual than they were. And what does Peter say? Why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? How did he know that? That was the word of knowledge. There's been a few times as I've been teaching God's word that I'll feel the Holy Spirit leading me, that there's things happening right then, people listening to that service that need to be addressed. And at one particular time, I really felt led, hey, there's somebody here right now at this service that's cheating on their spouse. So spoke it out. Nothing happened. Years went by. And then a lady comes up to me years later, says, you remember that one service where you confronted adultery? I'm that person. And I responded in repentance and walked away from that relationship and began walking with the Lord in integrity God restored my life and in time brought a godly man into my life and now I'm remarried. Years later, years later. So there's times when the Lord through the Holy Spirit will give you insight and you trust the Holy Spirit. And again, you don't communicate it in some kind of weird way, but that's how the Lord may want to work, how the Holy Spirit may want to work to provide the word of knowledge. To another faith by the same Spirit. We all have faith to trust Christ our Savior, but this is an extra measure of faith to be able to walk through a trial. This is an extra measure of faith to trust that God is going to provide. This is an extra measure of faith to, to step out and reach out to those that don't know Christ as, as their Savior. And I love when the Lord grants that gift of faith. This is what Peter operated in in Acts chapter 3 when he saw the lame man. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. (laughs) Took faith to, to be able to do that. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. I don't think someone has the gift of healing where everybody goes and asks for prayer from that particular person, but that the Holy Spirit at different points will give the gifts of healing. God does heal supernaturally in this life. Sometimes he chooses not to, and there'll be times when the Holy Spirit grants that gift of healing. Even when elders pray for those who are sick in the church and anoint them with oil, it's elders plural. It's not just one elder, so that if the Lord does provide healing, the glory goes to God, not to one particular elder. To another, the working of miracles. The the Holy Spirit will work miracles, manifesting himself, so that he is glorified. In Mark chapter 16, we see the challenge to go out and share our faith. We refer to it as the Great Commission. Jesus is commissioning us. And he says, as we go out and preach the gospel, 
that these signs and miracles will follow those who believe. A snake will bite you and you won't be harmed. You'll eat poisonous food and and you won't get get sick. Those types of things. Speak in tongues. Pray for the sick and they'll be healed. But the supernatural is connected with going out and sharing the gospel. Have you ever had times in your life where you go out and you share the gospel and you experience God moving in a powerful way? Why? Because those signs, those miracles, that supernatural moving is for that purpose of showing that unbeliever the reality of, of who God is. To another prophecy. And prophecy is forthtelling, declaring the word of God, but also telling the future. There's times where God will give prophecy for the benefit of believers and the encouragement of unbelievers. To another discerning of spirits, to be able to discern, is this from the Lord? Or is this coming from a demonic source that's trying to to lead people astray? To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. This is speaking in tongues that we see in Acts chapter 2. The prayer language that's given to believers where the person who's speaking it doesn't understand the language and thus the need for interpretation. If tongues is used with believers together, someone needs to interpret that tongue so that all can be edified. We're going to study tongues a lot more in 1 Corinthians, so stay tuned. Verse 11, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So it's a work of the spirit in a the life of an individual person to cause these demonstrations so that people can be reached and edified. So here's my question for us as we read through these and study them. Is are we open to the Holy Spirit leading us in these ways? Have you ever even considered that God may give you a word of wisdom for someone? That he may give you a word of knowledge? All of these things that we have read through. As I look at scripture, God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's interesting to me as we study these gifts that the church has kind of decided what, church, what manifestations are for today and what manifestations aren't for today. Oh yeah, the word of wisdom, that's for today. But the gift of tongues, that's not for today. And for us to say, Lord, why are we nervous or concerned about the move and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? The Holy Spirit knows us better than we know ourselves. The Holy Spirit knows the person we're talking to better than we know them. And to be able to depend upon the Holy Spirit. The disciples experienced three relationships with the Holy Spirit that I believe are for us as well. The first is the Holy Spirit was with them. That's what Jesus declared to them. The Holy Spirit's with you and shall be in you. When Christ rose from the dead, he breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was with you to bring you to Christ. For those of you that know Christ, if you don't know Christ, the Holy Spirit's with you, pleading with your heart, showing you who Jesus is. The moment that you receive Christ, then the Holy Spirit came in you. But the third relationship that we often don't talk about nor understand is the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you so you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. 
The baptism filling of the Holy Spirit was so important to Christ that Jesus says, I don't want you to go anywhere or do anything until you receive the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit. They went to the upper room and they prayed and they waited and they prayed and they waited and then the power of the Holy Spirit came upon their lives. Not for weirdness, but for witness. How are we able to be a witness of Jesus? How is our life able to be a testimony to Christ? I'm a fallen sinner. How can people look at my life and see Jesus? It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord, so that we can be witnesses. Jesus declared, he says, you're evil. Bad news, you guys are evil. We know that. You being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your kids. Even though we're sinners, we love to give good gifts to our kids, right? From small things to big things, it's just fun to bless our kids. Goes on to say, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Was Jesus confused? Did he have a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit? Doesn't Jesus know that once you believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you? Why would you then ask for the Holy Spirit? Because in Ephesians 5, it says, be filled with the Spirit. In the Greek language, it's continually be filled with the Spirit. The Father wants us asking for the power of the Holy Spirit. There may be a point in time where we go, yeah, I really believe that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. But we're leaky vessels that walk in a sinful world. And we need that fresh filling, that fresh empowering of the Spirit. So as we close this morning, if you say, you know what, I feel like Zerubbabel. I feel discouraged. I see the mountain in front of me. God's called me to a work, but I am discouraged and I've laid down my tools. I've stopped laboring and I need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to humble yourself and ask. I'm going to challenge myself, humble myself and ask. I want to give you an opportunity to raise your hand to the Lord. Those that are listening at home, right where you're at, to raise your hand to the Lord. I'm going to say a simple prayer for you that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. But gang, church, brothers and sisters in Christ, the secret to the Christian life is the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you been trying to be a godly husband apart from the power of the Spirit? Have you been trying to be this amazing parent apart from the power of the Spirit? Have you been trying to live out singleness and the challenges that lie therein apart from the power of the Holy Spirit? Have we been trying to navigate the difficulties of this day, this time that we live in, apart from the Holy Spirit? let's, Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. And we do humble ourselves this morning and ask for a fresh filling, a fresh empowering of of the Spirit. This is resonating with you and in humility and faith, you'd like to be filled with the Spirit. Would you just raise your hand and leave it up and I'm gonna pray with you. Don't miss out if the Lord's speaking to you in this way. Father, you see our hands, you see our hearts and we surrender afresh to you. Father, and I pray over each person that has their hands raised at home and here in the sanctuary and ask in Jesus' name according to your promise that if we ask for the Holy Spirit, you're a good Father and you will grant it. So would you fill them with your Spirit to overflowing? Would you give them the joy of the Lord and the peace of the Lord? And may your Spirit have freedom to lead in their life, to take steps of faith. Where there's 
discouragement that you would provide encouragement. And we ask for those mountains in our lives to be made plain for your grace, for your glory. So Father, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.